Well, I, I don't know if, uh, I know some PP guys had some great vacations. I've heard a few vacations. Anyone get to see either the Redwoods or Sequoias this summer? Anyone? Come on, guys. A few of you guys. Okay. A few of you guys. Um, I, uh, and I'm not talking about the Redwoods in Brea. Uh, there's some, like, mini Redwoods in Brea. I don't know if you knew that. It's kind of fun, but they're small. Uh, <laughs> But, but it's amazing, if you've ever been up there before, you can literally drive through a tree. I mean, just the strength and the life that has to be in a tree. I mean, it's just amazing to think what it would take to knock that tree down. It's incredible. But, you know, behind every large or mature tree like that, there are stories There's stories of enduring seasons. There's stories of enduring dry seasons and rainy seasons. There's stories of enduring fire seasons. There's stories of enduring cold seasons and hot seasons and all other kinds of seasons. And I don't know if you actually knew uh, that you can see the story that a tree is had by looking at the rings inside the tree. So actually, I want to get a picture up here. Uh, That is what the inside of a tree is would typically look like, and so uh, what each of those rings represent oftentimes is a year of the tree, and so you can see when they've had dry seasons, it's typically smaller rings. When they've had rainy seasons, it's typically bigger rings. You can see the early year growth because the center, you can literally see the story that a tree's had and the ups and downs and the trials that a tree's experienced all in the journey of becoming a mature and sturdy tree. And so in God's sovereignty, he designed seasons. And the way trees work is that seasons, both rainy seasons and dry seasons, both the uh, summer seasons and the winter seasons, all play a role, and even with sequoias, fire seasons play a role and getting the tree to be the mature, strong tree it is. God, in his wisdom, uses every season, not just to write a story, but to strengthen the tree to be what it is to be. Now, I think you can probably see where I'm going with this. God, in his sovereignty, designed seasons not just for trees, but for us. As we've been talking about the last few weeks, I really believe that in a time and season in our world that is quickly changing, that is dry, not just physically dry, but but relationally and spiritually and emotionally dry, when there is division, when there is anxiety is at an all-time high, I believe God wants to raise up his sons and daughters to be mighty trees who are not shaken, who are not blown, but rather provide shade, provide strength, provide life, and provide a harvest of life everywhere we go. I believe God wants to raise us up. And so in his sovereignty, God designed us as humans and as believers to experience seasons of life and seasons in our walk with God. And so in God's wisdom, Just like with trees, God uses every season we go through to not just write a story with us, but actually to strengthen us into the people that he's called us to be, whether those are great seasons, hard seasons, grief seasons, or joy seasons. You see, I think God wants to grow us to be mature enough to 
name and identify the season we're in and learn to partner with God and what he is doing in the season we are in so we can find the gold that he has in each of us and uh, the, the gold that he's, he's producing in us. So, for example, some questions that, that brings up are how, how did COVID change maybe how we need to walk with God? And coming out of COVID and all the political stuff and all that, is, are we in a different season than we were before? How do I need to connect with God differently during a long, dry, hard season or a season of prolonged grief? How do I grow through grief and become a stronger person through it because it's probably different than a season where everything's going your way? How do I identify when God is doing something new in my life? How do I stay connected with God when everything is going well in my life and I am just filled with circumstantial joy? You see, God created seasons and every season is to be different and each season produces something different in us and oftentimes through us. And what happens is when we don't grasp seasons as followers of Jesus and as people, we often live in continual sense of failure because we're looking for fruit that we think would be born in a season that it wasn't intended to be born in. And not only that, we end up missing the very thing that God is actually wanting to do in that season. This isn't just my idea. This is a theme we see throughout Scripture. For example, Jesus at least twice talks about recognizing the times and seasons that we're in. 1 Chronicles 12, for example, talks about the people of Issachar who were wise and understood the time and therefore knew how to live in light of the times they were in. And maybe one of the most well-known passages we're going to camp a little bit today is in Ecclesiastes 3. So if you have a Bible, open it up. Uh, we also have Bibles at that table there at the entrance. If you ever want to grab one, you can keep it as well. Ecclesiastes 3. And we're going to pick it up there. It says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has a worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And also he's put eternity in a man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now just a few observations 
from this text as, as we're sitting in that. Number one, it starts by very clearly saying in verse one that for everything there is a season and for every matter there is a time. There is a time in our lives, there is a time in our world for everything and every season. Beyond that, what you'll see is that for each corresponding thing, each thing we'd say is at least at face value looks good. A time to build up, a time to laugh, a time to rejoice, right? For each thing we'd say at face value is good, there's a corresponding thing that at face value we'd say is either bad or painful, so that we tend to kind of run away from. And so essentially, this is saying that we are going to experience good seasons and good things in life, and we are going to experience challenges in life. We are going to experience painful seasons in life. This is how the world works right? Being a believer does not save you ultimately from bad experiences, right? But the thing with seasons is that by nature, they mess with our plans and our ideas and our sense of control, right? Did COVID mess up any of your plans, right? They mess with our plans. They mess with our sense of control. They mess with our ideas of how our lives and how the world and how politics or how whatever should go around us. We'd like this passage to say, there's a time and season for every good thing. I'd love that. That's a good text if it was in there. There's a time and season for every comfortable thing, right? There's a time and season for everyone to agree with me, right? No, it says uh, there's a time and season for everything. You see, seasons, both good and hard, what they do is they make us realize that we have a perceived reality that we're in control of everything. But seasons rip away that sense of control from us. And they make us acknowledge that we have a God who's sovereign over both the good and the hard in our lives. And you see, we we typically don't give up control of our lives without a fight. Anyone with me? I I love to put up a good fight sometimes with God. Hopefully, those fights are getting shorter uh, when when, uh, I'm, I'm surrendering to God. But we see this throughout Scripture. Abraham was not someone that liked to surrender to the season that God had him in, right? We see characters throughout Scripture who didn't want to surrender to the season that God had him in. Abraham, like I said a couple weeks ago, had a couple whoopsies, to say the least, right? He didn't like waiting, right? Moses, he was cooperative until the end, and then he struck the rock out of anger. Forty years a long time, I don't blame him. I'd be frustrated, you know? These people drive me crazy, right? Saul did not learn to wait on God, And ultimately, then did not embrace what God was doing and making a way for David. Peter and the apostles, they're cutting off ears. They're trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. They're jumping out of boats. They're all over the place, right? They didn't embrace. Jesus said, here's the season I'm going to. And they're like, no. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Judas did not like the fall and winter season that he was was stepping into. So he, he hit the eject button. Our human nature is to think that if we are in control of our lives, 
and I only have good seasons, then I'll be strong. If I'm in control of my destiny and things go my way, then I'll be the person that God has called me to be. But both God and nature would actually disagree with that. You know, there was a study done a while back where they created the perfect scenario for trees to grow. And they planted trees, they grew them. There was no wind. There was no big storms that could threaten trees. There was no extended dry season. It was rainy, but not too rainy. There was no hardships that the trees had to face. And guess what? The trees began to die. They began to die because they didn't have the fundamental trials that actually caused the trees to grow deep root systems and become trees that had strength and fortitude with them, right? See, without the resistance of the wind, without the challenge of dry seasons, they had actually not become what God intended them to be. In the same way, seasons are an essential part of the human soul. They're an essential part of the human story. They're an essential part when God has a plan for your life. When Philippians 1 says, a he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. That doesn't mean it's all up and to the right. It doesn't mean it's all flowers and butterflies because God has a plan for your life. But yeah, God is sovereign to take you into that plan and he is good enough to use Every season thrown to us, he uses every card that's given in the deck of our lives, and even things that others did against us in their sin, he uses all of that to shape us into the destiny he has for us. And so before we talk about identifying the season we're in, I want to do a quick overview of some seasons. There's a lot of ways to look at the seasons of a Christian's life. You know, we sometimes just think that a Christian's life is you get saved and then you read the Bible and pray and do good stuff and it's good. But there's ups, there's downs. There's seasons where you're growing, you're serving. There's seasons of increased responsibility. There's seasons where you hit a wall and everything feels upside down. You're like, man, I thought I loved Jesus and now I feel like I stink. And my, what happened, what worked before with Jesus isn't working now. And then there's seasons where you grow out of that. There's seasons you go through grief, right? There's, there's a million ways to look at it. But I want to kind of stick with the tree analogy here and look at it from a spring, summer, fall, winter perspective. So in the spring, spring is a season of fruitfulness, the beginnings of fruitfulness. In nature, it's, if you're not in Southern California, it's muddy oftentimes. It's, uh, it's a season of tenacity. It's a season where small and tender roots begin to come through the ground. The weather's getting warmer. You're seeing the first fruits of some seeds that were planted or even left over from last fall. And so, in a spring season in our life, it might be a time of new beginnings. It might be a time of setting out in faith into something that God has for us. It's a time of goal setting. It's a time of dreaming with God and experiencing maybe God in some new ways. And um, what this requires is a little bit of faith. It requires discipline. We're, we're moving into something that God has for us that we cannot yet see. But it's exciting because we're beginning to see the first fruit maybe of some things and some disciplines we sowed in life. Summer. <clears throat> Summer's a time of abundance. Forests are filled with <clears throat> undergrowth. All the promises of fall, winter, and spring, they're coming to pass. And so, for example, in our life, maybe it's, it's man, when we're experiencing 
the best life in the moment. You know, we are, we're out living our best life. Things are going our way. We're experiencing God in tangible ways. We're experiencing his love in very tangible ways. We see God's tangible blessing on our lives. We're seeing fruitfulness. And um, we're, we're, we're alive relationally. We're alive emotionally. We're alive spiritually. Naturally, this tends to be our favorite season, right? <clears throat> Fall is a season of transition. It's a season of things dying and then actually the ground being seeded through decay with both nutrients and seeds for the future. It's a season of decline. It's a season of future transition. So in our life, that might be Things were going well, and now they're not going well. Whether that's finances, whether that's a relationship, whether that's our walk with God. is like, man, I'm doing what I used to do, and I'm struggling. I don't know why this isn't working. It's, it's something being shaken up. It's something uh, maybe surfacing a deeper issue in our life or our marriage or our relationships that we weren't aware of. Things are going well, and all of a sudden, boom. I thought we were good in a relationship. I thought I was good. I thought I didn't struggle with this sin. What is going on, right? And so for those of us who, who come from cultures that either don't do endings or cultures that value outward success and achievement more than inward growth, this can be a painful season because it suddenly makes you feel out of control and it suddenly takes you from things being good and easy to things being challenging and everything in us wants to start to control our environment. And then there's winter. In winter, uh, in many parts of the country, there is nothing on the trees. Nature appears to be dead. There is nothing growing or nothing happening above the ground. And yet under the ground, there's a lot happening. There's life happening under the ground, but it looks like it's been completely cleared. It looks barren. It's like when you see in Southern California trees, trees pruned down to a nub. And you're like, that looks terrible. You know, why did they do that? They could have left a little bit. Uh, that's what winter is like, right? Um, it's, it's, it, it, it's not impressive. It looks like death, right? Uh, my grass, I was talking to my neighbor who's a gardener, and I'm like, what's wrong with it? You know, when we first moved in. Because uh, I wasn't used to Southern California grass yet. We moved here uh, from across the country. And he's like, your, your grass is fine. It's just sleeping. It's wintertime. It's actually a season where grass and trees actually rest. And, um, sorry, lost my place here. So, for example, you know, I, I, I kind of want to sit in winter a little bit more thoroughly. Because I think collectively in our world... We've had an extended fall and winter. I'm not talking actual seasons. I'm talking about our world, everything we've gone through. We've had an extended fall in winter. <clears throat> I know many of us, uh, for example, just in churches. Churches have had struggles. We've had unprecedented amount of people actually, maybe in at least the last decades, walk away from their faith. There's been real issues surface in the big C church. There's been real 
things. I just was looking at, you know, this latest round of abuse things that, that have needed to surface, that have been heartbreaking to see surface, but it needed to surface in the Big C Church. I, uh, <clears throat> most churches are down 30 to 50 percent or something like that of attendance, and there's big questions that people are asking. People are deconstructing their faith, and sometimes those are good questions that people are asking. Or in our lives, many of us have experienced a winter personally. Maybe we've had doubts or questions in our faith because of what we've seen in the world or because how we've seen Christians react to the geopolitical world or whatever. Maybe um, this last, these last few years have revealed to us our fears. Maybe these last few years have revealed to us some broken places in our relationships, in our marriages. Maybe these last years have revealed to us anxiety we didn't know we struggled with or fears. Or maybe that we've had financial challenges that we've had to go against that we haven't quite had answers for. The world is changing and is shaking it up. And for many of us, this has been a long and tiring winter season, if you will. Al Redpath says it like this. It's not under the sharpest, but rather the longest trials that we are in the most danger of fainting. Sorry, wrong guy, Andrew Fuller. Uh, It's not the sharpest, but the longest trials that we are in the danger of fainting. You see, we in our world and our culture, we shun the idea of winter. I mean, I don't want to relive some of the painful things in the last few years, but we shun the idea of winter. Uh, And that's exacerbated by the fact that we live in a world that values the appearance of success oftentimes more than what's actually happening, right? No one, pay, well, no one posts their worst fails on Instagram. They post what you want to see, right? What they want you to see. Hey, my life is good. Things, I'm happy. I'm having experiences that not everyone gets to have, right? Check out my experiences. I'm seeing things that you've never seen before. I'm on a vacation that's better than your vacation, right? My job is great. Look at me. I spend time with Jesus. Look at my Bible. You know, that's, oh, I'm just here having a great devotional with Jesus, and I'm spending more on Instagram than I am with Jesus, right? Uh, we, we, push, we post and we put forward in relationships and work, and we put the foot forward we want people to see, right? We often value our appearance more than we, and outward success more than we do inward transformation. And the reality is we've been guilty of this in the church. I think in many parts of the Big C Church, we've, we've lacked a theology of suffering. We've lacked a theology of that valued inward transformation more than outward numbers. We've lacked a theology of surrendering our power to God because we'd rather be in power. And so, uh, as a guy named Peace Cazero says, that we often want to follow the American Jesus rather than the crucified Jesus. Right? So I got a couple pictures. I had a fun time Googling this. Uh, right? <laughs> we, we like Jesus in our time, in our image, right? In our country. I'll take the best that I like about Jesus and whatever I like about my country and I'll put them together. Now, your American Jesus might look a little different. I don't know. But this is one I found. And, then, and here's, here's American Jesus on the cross, Right? 
He doesn't need to depend on the Father. He doesn't need to depend on the Holy Spirit because he doesn't need to depend on anyone. He values independence, right? And he, he, he stands his ground. He doesn't back down. He doesn't surrender at any cost, right? So American Jesus doesn't die on the cross. He breaks the cross. But he also didn't experience the resurrection in the life that the Father would have for him. You see, Real Jesus, although he's the king of kings and he's all-powerful, real Jesus took on humanity and took the very posture of a servant and surrendered his life to the Father and the lead of the Spirit and stepped into the brokenness of our world and suffered abuse and tragedy and was put to death along with sinners, even though he had no sin. And then the Father raised him up to the highest throne above all places and the name that is above all names. That is who our Jesus is. But we, we, we lack a theology of suffering and challenge because it's not comfortable for us, right? But for us to experience the resurrection, we need to experience the challenge of life. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He who wishes to lose his life will save it. And so I want to sit for a minute in this winter idea, because I think this is not only what we've been in as a world and culture, but it's often what we lack a theology for. Just four things real quickly that God does in winter seasons. Um, One, he allows death or decline to bring about new life. He brings He allows death or decline to bring out new life. You see, disruptive moments in our life are often divine appointments. Disruptive moments are often divine appointments. You see, with trees, they look miserable in winter, but they're preparing for the spring. They're very much alive. They're very much doing just fine. They're preparing for the new spring and the new season that's ahead and the new growth that is ahead of them. Now, we've got three kids, and sometimes cleaning out closets can be uh, on, a, on a good day, challenging, on a bad day, a nightmare, right? Uh, and with one or two kids specifically, uh, Lord bless them, uh, I, I, uh, it is a all-out, your closet's literally full of junk that you never use, and, and it's every Christmas, you know, the grandparents are going to give them stuff that hopefully they want, that's hopefully better than the last one, but there's literally no space for it. So we're going to go through the, hey, we've got to declutter and let go of some things so you can prepare for what uh, the family wants to bless you with. Because if not, there's literally no space for it, right? So uh, you got to let go. you got to let go, guys. And um, that's a silly example, but that's the way of the kingdom. We talked about Jesus. How about Peter? He didn't want to embrace the season that Jesus was going into. But once Peter surrendered, Acts 2 happened. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life, and, and the Father did incredible things. Right? The way of the kingdom is that those who lay down their lives and are willing to suffer or willing to embrace the process end up experiencing life. He who wishes to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so God will allow certain comforts or things that used to work for us to be put to death in our lives so that he can prepare us to receive the new thing he has for us. And the Father knows what's best for us. 
Remember, our Father is always at work. If you are in a winter season, it's not the end of the story. It's not the last chapter. There's a spring coming. And I want to remind you that, secondly, he exposes what is to help us see and act with clarity. Right? Like I said, in winter, uh, in many places, there are no leaves on the trees. I got a picture here, right? Oftentimes, if you are in this forest uh, during other seasons, in the summer, you cannot see through the forest. But here you can see through the whole forest, and it's actually a whole lot easier to navigate a forest with no leaves on it because you can see clearly and not get scratched on branches and, and move through things clearly. And um, in our lives, like I said, COVID exposed some things. It exposed our struggles. It exposed our marriage weaknesses. It exposed our, uh, the big C churches issues. It exposed issues in our own hearts. It exposed some things, right? And, and when we're in a winter season, we can see clearly the state of our soul without all the comforts of life. And so in God's sovereignty, he gives us gifts of winter seasons so we can see what's actually happening in our lives, in our relationships, and so we know where to put our attention to, right? It's like a check engine light. Pain is not bad. It's God saying, hey, put your attention here. Anyone driven your car with a check engine light for way too long, right? You might have had an explosion, hopefully not an actual explosion. You might have had, though, a blowout of some kind. Oh, the tire's going to be fine. I know there's some threads going through that I can see, but it's fine, right? That typically doesn't go well if you leave it too long. Winter seasons are check engine lights for us to say, hey, put your attention here for a minute. Put your attention in this place in your marriage. Put this attention in your emotional life or this, or this pain or grief that is resurfacing. Put your attention here. Right, And so when God exposes the brokenness of our soul and our relationships, he's providing a gift for us because he has life and healing and restoration ahead for us. But oftentimes if we're in endless summer, we can't see what's actually happening in our soul. And so we, lived with, we live with a flaky version of what God actually has for us. Thirdly, he brings great progress through pain. During a drought, um, I know I'm kind of going off the winter analogy, but you could also kind of use the, the um, drought analogy. During a drought, um, trees actually have to grow their roots more, uh, deeper because they need to find water. And so, um, as I said earlier, we, we tend to live in a skin-deep culture. We look great on the outside, but we lack root below the surface, and so we're tossed to and fro, right? And like I said, and if we're in an endless summer, we get flaky. And you see, character and substance are formed in the crucible of adversity. And so God develops some of his strongest people through some of the greatest trials. So why do we grow through trials and pain? We come to the end of ourselves. We learn to surrender to God's sovereignty. We depend way more on the character of God than we ever have before. Why else do we grow through trials? We, we learn to walk by faith, not by sight and feelings. We learn about our shadow self, the side of us that uh, likes to resurrect and do our own thing and, you know, that we're trying to put to death. We learn about our own brokenness that wants to sabotage our strength and God's calling. And we learn to deal with it head on. 
In winter seasons, we learn to receive from God. In winter seasons, we get healing from past issues that we have stuffed for so long and now have to be dealt with because we see them clearly. Winter is actually a time of healing. And there's a great promises from that. For example, in trials, Scripture promises that we get more power of God. The power of God rests upon our weakness and our brokenness, that we get more holiness from God, that we look more like Jesus, and that we bear more fruit when we're pruned than if just left to ourselves. And lastly, what happens during winter is that God brings a deep soul rest to us. As I said, trees and grass actually rest in winter. You might ask, how in the world or why would seasons of grief or trials bring about rest in my life. It sounds like the opposite, right? Because what happens is when we're coming to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of a surrender and trusting God. And what happens when you learn to trust God is rest. You learn to rest. Not just a, I feel good for a week or two, but I'm talking about a deep soul rest that when you know, when everything hits the fan in your life, that God is still in control and you can go to sleep at night and you know your identity is not wrapped up in what people think about you or what kind of outward success you have, but you know and you know that you're a child of God and that he's in control of your life, that's rest. But where that comes from is trials. God often has to bring us to the end of ourselves to begin the beginning of the fullness of him. All right, so let me end with just, how do we we work with God to identify and embrace our season, right? Because back to our scripture in, in Ecclesiastes, if it's a time to mourn and you're a funeral, right, and everyone's weeping, you don't want to be sitting in the back like you're at a a comedy show laughing, right? (laughs) Uh, In the same way, right, Um, I grew up in Minnesota uh, and grew up, I worked on a ranch for a little bit and there's a farming community there. If you're a Minnesota corn farmer, you know that you ain't growing anything in the winter, first of all, uh, because it's freezing. Uh, You plant in April or May, it's knee, the corn's knee high by the 4th of July, and then harvest comes in October, beginning of November. That's kind of what you know, right? And if you get confused about the season you're in, you're going to be frustrated, right? If you are trying to plant in the fall, you get little seeds that die, and you're like, what the heck, you know? If you try to harvest in the spring, you're like, I got baby corn. I did, that's not what I was trying to grow, but I got those little baby corns, right? If you uh, are, are trying to do something in the winter, and you're like, oh, I'll just water it more. It's not growing. You'll grow with a field of ice, right? That's, that's what will happen, right? If you're trying to get fruit that you're not supposed to bear because you're trying to be in an endless summer, but you're not, you'll live with a constant sense of failure and missing the rest and life and the gold that God wants to do in every single season of your life. I think some of us are worn out because we've been beating ourselves up for fruit or ways that we think our life should look like right now, but it's just not. And there's been things outside your control that you're beating yourself up because you thought that you should have been in control of. But God is taking you in a fall or a winter because he's doing something deeper in you that's more lasting. Some of us, were weary because we're comparing ourselves 
We're comparing our winter season against someone else's summer season. Some of us are exhausted because we're trying to override God's season with our human strength. Many of us, we're missing the abundant life that God has in our pain because we're trying to medicate it rather than embrace it. And so we need to identify and embrace the season that we're in. Just a couple questions to identify the season. When you look at your life, where do you think, what do you think season you're in? What are the predominant emotions you're experiencing? What is God saying to you or trying to do in you? Those are just some ways we can identify the season we're in. And then we need to embrace it and act accordingly. You see, embracing the season God has for us means we embrace the fact that he's a sovereign God. And that he's sovereign over world events and he's sovereign over our lives and he's sovereign over our finances. He's sovereign over the family we're born into. He's sovereign over what others want to do to us. He's sovereign over the political events. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over your fears. He's sovereign over your pain. He's sovereign over whatever happened to you when you were young. He's sovereign and he sees it and he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. But sometimes that's a hard process. But I love what Alan Redpath said. He said, there's nothing or no circumstance or no trouble or no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has come past God and past Christ right through to me. If it's come that far, it has come with a great purpose. I don't know what's happening in your world right now. I don't know. Maybe you're in a summer and you're loving life, and that's awesome. I'm cheering you on. Take me there with you. Some of you have had a hard season. And there's an invitation from God to embrace the pain rather than run from it. So practically, if you are in a winter season, here's a few things you can be doing. Instead of controlling your circumstances, God wants to take you deeper in them. It means embracing limitations and circumstances. It means learning to accept your emotions and needs. It means developing a more robust prayer life and leaning into community. Some of us, We've been, in a, we've been in a winter, and I believe God is wanting to take us into a spring. And the reality is when you've gone through grief and you've gone through trial and you feel like you've been pruned back, sometimes it's hard to believe again for a spring. And I believe God is wanting to say to many people, believe again for a spring. It's time to step into new life. It's time to step into a new season. I believe for us as a church, as well as the Big C Church, we've been through a long winter. And I believe for Antioch Fullerton, there's a spring that we're stepping into. God is doing some new things. God's doing some exciting things. We've communicated some of those in the last season. And what it means to step into spring is that we choose to plant again. We choose to hope again. We choose to walk in faith again. We choose to believe again and remind ourselves of the promises of God over our lives and walk forward by faith in them. That means by stepping into obedience again. That means risking again by giving our time, our money, our gifts to the purposes of God again. That means pressing back into discipline in our, in our spiritual life or our practical life so that, that our lives are disciplined to step into God's promises. It means by whole, keeping, uh, sorry, moving forward while holding on to the wisdom and the depth that we gained through the long winter. 
And so as we end, if I can have our band hop up here, I just want to take a couple minutes before we go into song to respond, to just sit with Jesus and this message and identify and name what season are you in. Because we don't want to be people that work against what God's trying to do, but we want to work with God and find the gold he has for us in every season. So what, what season, a few questions, what season are you in? What is God speaking to you? And how might your approach and focus in this season be different from what was needed this last season? So I want to just sit. They're going to strum, and uh, we're going to sit here for just a minute or two and just be sensitive to what God is doing in our lives. So, Father, we thank you that you don't keep things stagnant. You don't keep things as they are. We're thankful that you provide summer and spring seasons. And we're also thankful that you don't let us stay there forever because you want to take us farther and deeper. Lord, this was a mature word today. This was a deep word today. I pray help us to grow into those people who can be mature enough to identify the season we're in and relinquish control to you.